Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Claret and Blue. This week we're joined by a very, 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 very special guest, Ian Tyler. How are you, Tails? Very, 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 very special guest. I like that. Um, I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm good. I'm good. We've already got you on, so I don't need to don't need to butter you up anymore. We've already we've already sealed the deal by getting you on in the first place. Um, what we're going to do, mate? We're going to do this time. We're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to do Ian Taylor's Aston Villa photo album. So it's a bit time. It's a bit like the first time you you bring your girlfriend home to see your mum, that kind of thing. Flick through all the embarrassing <laughs> photos. Um, sadly, we haven't been able to uh, to get in touch with your family to, to you know find pictures of you as a toddler on the beach or stuff like that. But uh, there's some there's some good ones in there, I think. So we're going to send you the the first one. Let's have a have a little look what we've got for you first. All right, is that from something I've posted? <laughs> I think I think we've got that in our. Um, in our Birmingham Man archive, you know, mate. I don't know. I don't know whether we'd done the story back in the day. I mean, you you can tell me how far back this photo is and, and what it was. I think I was around twelve, thirteen. I think we had we had a really good team at our school, and um, Washwood Heath was known for for having some really good teams, and um, we had a good year. Yeah, and I, I still I still keep in touch with some of those lads as well, which is uh, which is nice. The, the lad stood next to me is Stuart Pass. And he's a blue nose, and, and he's a massive blue nose, and we do still keep in touch and give give each other stick now and again. So that's that's nice. Am I right in thinking that that back then your school days brought brought about your first ever experience of playing at Villa Park? Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know whether this was maybe the year after or or what, but we played in the Villa Villa Cup final, yeah, and um, and we won, which was nice. So and and I think there's a picture of me somewhere um, in a t- in a team photo like that with my Villa sweatband on and um, giving it the the fist pump. So yeah, you'll have to find that one. <laughs> Can you remember what it was like to actually play play on Villa Park for the first time? Well, I, it'll probably be like when the players go back now because <laughs> there was no crowd. <laughs> um, there was a hand. Well, yeah, there was a few parents and teachers and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was one of those where you could hear everybody shouting, and uh, yeah. But it, I just remember the pitch being so big. Trying to get from one end of it to the other was uh, was a hard task. But it was one of my, well, yeah, one of the first occasions that I actually played on a on a proper on a proper ground on a f- proper football ground. So and and for it to be Villa Park was just unbelievable. So as a, as a 12, 13-year-old kid, were you still a kind of rangy box-to-box midfielder? Have you always played that kind of role? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, um, funny enough though, Matt, I, I started off in goal, which was which was weird. And I, I don't know how I started off in goal, but it was one of those where I started off in goal and then I got asked to play outfield and then never looked back. Although, I, you know, throughout my career, I've played, I think I've played every position throughout my career so um, yeah it was nice to be so adaptable but yeah I was, I've essentially been a midfield player 
And was a as a twelve and thirteen year old kid, was it a pipe dream to think that you play professional football, or was that something that you you actually did did have an ambition of even at that age? Absolute pipe dream, mate. Never ever thought that I'd turn professional. I, I, to be honest, I never actually had the dream of being a professional footballer. I think I just wanted to have a normal job and get on in life. I was training to be an electrician when I left school and um, sort of took a different direction after signing for more green, really. We're going to have a little look at what direction you took. Dan's going to, um, we're going to share, a, share another image with you and let, let's see what, what the story behind this one is. Yeah, the flat top is amazing, I must say. Yeah, that was the day I signed for Villa. And Brian Little um, was, he tried to sign me before, actually, before I went to Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday was my first um, Premier League club. And Brian was at Leicester City. And he tried to sign me when he was at Leicester. And I turned him down and went to Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously, I was still in his thoughts. And, um, you know, my time at Sheffield Wednesday wasn't great. Um, I was being played out of position on the on the right wing, even though I, I'd mentioned that I'd played every position. Right wing wasn't the position that I was accustomed to playing. But, um, you know, I was there for six months and, and Brian came in for me and did a swap deal with Guy Whittingham, which was um, the best thing that ever happened to me, to be fair. If we were a fly on the wall back then, the first meeting at Villa Park, who's in there? Is Doug Ellis in there? Brian? Have you got an agent? What's it What's it like, that that, that first experience of, of, of walking and signing that contract? If my memory serves me right, I was with a PFA representative at that time. I think the deal had already been done, really, before we actually went to Villa Park. You know, I didn't really want that much of a change from the contract that I had at Sheffield Wednesday because, basically, I was coming and playing for the team that I supported and... I wasn't moving away from. I was just about to move away from Birmingham to move uh, to live in Sheffield, so it was it was a no brainer to be honest. And just to come and I was going to play for the same kind of money and and not move away. It was um, it was a simple thing to do really, but it, it was pinch yourself stop Matt to be to be fair. And it was one of those where I was when I was at Sheffield Wednesday. Trevor Francis was the manager and he called me in the office. Um, my agent had already told me that Villa had come in for me. And, you know, when you, you're going into a meeting and you try not to smile and try not to laugh. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those because I knew what was coming. Trevor said to me, um, you'll, never, you'll never guess who's coming for you. And I said, and I was just play acting. I said, well, who, who's that then? And he said, um, well, Villa are coming for you. And I said, really? He said, do you want to go? And I said, damn right I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he was just he was one of those. He says, okay, um, yeah, we'll get the deal done and, and, you can, and you can leave. So that was it, really. So obviously Brian, Brian's the manager. He's shown that he wants you by forgiving you for snubbing him the first time. Yeah. Uh, he's Claret and Blue Royalty. What was it like? We, we, we chatted to Lee Hendry um, recently and he was saying that he finds Brian a lot easier to get on with now post-football because he was so serious and so kind of stressed, but in a good way. When he was Villa manager, he, was, he wanted to make sure he did everything right, that he pro- yeah. probably didn't let his guard down as much. Was, was that your experience of him as well? Yeah, I think um, a lot of managers would say that, you know, you can't be the, the player's friend. So, you know, you've got to be that little bit tougher. Yeah, Brian's nicest man you'd ever meet now, but, you know, back then, of course he had to be 
serious and um, the business side of things had to take over. So, but um, yeah, Brian was great with me. And, and to be his first signing, because obviously, you know, I was, I was somebody that he thought would add to the team straight away, um, was, you know, it was a great, great accolade to have, really. So it's one of those where I've, um, I've been grateful to this day that Brian still had me in his thoughts and, uh, and wanted to sign me straight away. Um, so what, what, what's your relationship like with Brian now? Do you still, I presume you still see him at, at, at Villa in the posh seats occasionally? And... Well, um, to be honest, mate, we, we travel together, um, we sit together, um, we represent the club together, which is fantastic, you know, because Brian's still held in massive esteem at the football club and um, he is a Villa legend. So to be with him um, for matches and representing the club, it's, um, you know, I'm just really grateful that I'm I'm still sort of part of things and can represent the club that I, you know in the way that I can. When you and Brian are sitting watching a game together, what are you like? Do you kind of you off your feet? <laughs> are you you're heading every ball or? Um, put it this way, I've been told to calm down many on many an occasion <laughs> in a director's box. <laughs> it's hard sometimes to to restrain yourself and uh, and still represent the club in, in the right way especially when you know some of the big games that we've had um, recently and in, in recent years um, yeah it's tough to sort of hold your emotions in but and especially when you're away at Blues and stuff <laughs> when Jack's sticking that winner in it's um, yeah and you're and you're sat in the middle of the in all the Birmingham City fans it's uh, yeah it's a tough task, mate. Let's have a little look at the the, the next photo in our uh, Ian Taylor tre- treasure trove. One of one of the best days in a Villa shirt, I think. Yeah, the following season after I'd signed, Brian had had gone on to make a series of signings, and we were a new Villa team. Basically, what bigger test could you have than playing against, playing against Man United? To be fair to them, they had quite they had a few players out as well, some young players coming through, and we um, we smashed them, absolutely smashed them, and um, you know. To, to do that to Man United the way we did with a new team was um, was something something to to behold and, and remember. It was a really, really good day, Matt. I'm sure you were there. I was there. I was at, you should have scored it down the old ten, mate, to be honest. I couldn't couldn't see down that. Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing that was missing. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't anything missing that day, mate, trust me. Can you um can you remember the famous bit of punditry on the night on match of the day? Yes, of course. Um, Alan Anson saying uh, that Man United had win, wouldn't win anything with kids and then they won and went on to win the double, was it, or treble? Half decent, those kids, weren't they? Yeah, they were all right. <laughs> <laughs> a young David Beckham scored on that day, didn't they? Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, he's only a consolation goal, though, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We haven't got... I couldn't find it in our archives and we'll probably get done for copyright if we nicked it from elsewhere, but... Your first goal came, it did come at the whole end, didn't it? The previous, was it Was it on your debut? Yeah, my home debut um, at Villa Park against Chelsea. Um, we won 3-0 and um, I think, yeah, I managed to get the third, third, I think. Yeah, the third in front of the whole 10 with all my family and friends there. And, you know, when you just have, uh, if you're just writing how the night, how you'd want the night to go, um it just went all so perfectly well, and uh, you know, uh, countless people come and and watch and uh, and to score in front of the whole team, Matt, on my home debut with you know 
the pressure on you as a new player um, coming in with everybody thinking, who's this Ian Taylor that we've signed? Um, yeah, it was brilliant. Superb, mate. The nerves I had on that night were un- unbelievable. Um, you know, I can't even remember how I played, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, you know, to, to win 3-0 against Chelsea and, and to score, it just it was just a weight off, off my shoulders because I knew that, you know, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of, a lot of people thinking, you know, who's this guy? And, um, you know, it, it was just saying, it was just a statement really to say, yeah, I'm here and, uh, and I can play a bit. It was just the start really. And it's the uh, start of a great career at Villa. You know, the, the short time I had at Sheffield Wednesday, you always question yourself, are you, are you good enough to, to play in the Premier League? You know, up until then, I'd only been playing league football for like two and a half years. You know, you, you do question yourself whether you're, whether you're good enough to be playing at that level. You know, to come to your hometown team and uh, and having to perform then with all the pressure of your friends and family and and people wondering who you are. It's, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a weight off the shoulders massively. Well, we're going to have a little look at the, the next photo for you and see, see where that takes us. <laughs> um, that was a photo shoot that we did. Um, for the squaddies video so it was sort of a, a review of the season I can't remember what year it was to be honest yeah big Hugo's there God bless his soul um, Barzi Yorkie Andy Townsend Gareth Southgate and Sava and um, yeah it's just a, a, fo- a fun photo shoot we did where you know John Gregory was calling us squaddies and it were his army and, and whatnot, and they they just wanted us to dress up in army gear. I'd like to think we looked all right. <laughs> Do you reckon players today would have it written into the contracts that they're not allowed to mess about like that anymore? Because it it seems a bit more serious now than it was back then. Yeah, I know it, it, it is a bit more serious. I don't I don't know to be fair because I suppose it was just part of PR and the lads. Because there's a lot of lads now who would probably say, "No, I'm not dressing up in army gear." You know what I mean? But but we. We quite liked it and we thought it sort of was a bit of fun. We were quite com at that time, you know, we were, we were a good team, we were quite confident in what we were doing. So no harm in it at all. Who would be the one who kind of puts the idea to you? Will the gaffer just come and say, Listen, you gotta do this? Basically the, the, the PR team had uh, they'd put it to the manager and they'd probably they'd have probably come I can't remember exactly, but probably come with a list of players and um Say you, 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 and you. They want you to do this. And to be fair, in those days, you didn't really question it because it, it's part of being a player and part of what you what you had to do as a professional footballer. So just went with it, mate. Let's have a little look at the the next one. What we got next, Dan? <laughs> that's that's me lying through my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where we we were asked about our drinking habits and what were our favourite drinks. And I lied through my teeth and said Ribena. Um, but I, I think I also said that I liked the odd um, Budweiser as well. So, and I have a lot more of them now. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they're asking us about our favourite drinks and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of the lads were lying through the teeth when they, when they answered. <laughs> I think, if I remember right, I think Alan Wright said he doesn't drink because he doesn't like the taste of alcohol. Uh, I think Gareth Farrelly said something like he drinks Coca-Cola. Um, 
Paul McGrath, to his credit, did say he liked the odd drop of Guinness. <laughs> and I think I think Spinks, he said something like a lager, followed by a, a lager early in the evening. Then as the night goes on, a, a, a Picardian and Coke. Probably a double. <laughs> what would have been your drink of choice back then? Now, now, now that you're um, you're not going to get um, fined for for going out drinking ahead of a match. Would it have been like um, uh, bottles of bud or what? Yeah, bottles of bud, and um, I did like a short and uh, a Southern Comfort and lemonade or something. There's lo- there was loads of those other Alka pops as well, weren't there? Like. Um, oh, Moscow Mule and Reef and, and all that kind of stuff. Bacardi yeah. Breezes, all that kind of nonsense. Yeah, yeah, that we used to drink. So, so um, where do you where do you used to knock about then on a on a on a Saturday night after a, after a home victory? There were there was there were a number. Of, are you sometimes? Because I, I used to knock about with the lads that I grew up with in Birmingham as well, and we used to sometimes a lot of the time. I didn't really like to go out in Birmingham. I used to like to go places where. No one, no one would know you, and you could just have a good laugh with your mates and stuff. And uh, so we used to jump in cars and and go all over the country and uh, and stay over and just come back the next morning. And and um, you know we used to go up to places like Newcastle and Sheffield. We go to Doncaster, believe it or not. And the times when I used to go out with lads at Villa, we sometimes we'd jump on a we'd jump on a plane and go over to Ireland or something. And, and just for a night out, you know, those days we had we had great a great rapport with Irish fans because we had Irish players in the team and, and whatnot, and uh, you know we, we'd have a great time going over to Ireland, and uh, we really really well received over there, and uh, got well looked after, which was nice. Let's have a look at what we've what we've got next for you. Let's have a look at your next photo. I posted this one the other day. <laughs> well, I tell, I'll let you in on a secret, tales. This is what this is what prompted the idea because we thought there must be loads of photos that you know if we looked at that at first glance it looks like you've had a tiff done it but there must be loads of photos that you've got the kind of backstory for so go on tell us tell us what's going on there you know i can't remember (laughs) (laughs) well i've got a feeling it was i've got a feeling it was only a q a or something that we were doing and um we might be waiting for the next question to come along i don't know I, i didn't get into any disciplinary problems or anything like that then I can't think that it would have been anything like that especially with the manager some fans might be able to sort of help us out with that one <laughs> yeah we'd probably track down it's probably in some social club in Longbridge or something back in 1999 or something so when when you posted it the other day that's what got us thinking because I think you put him acting as your lawyer and I thought was it a dis- was it an FA no 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 <laughs> it's just the way it looks <laughs> It was probably in court for something. Were you ever sent off? I can't remember you ever being sent off, were you? Yeah. Um, I was sent off at the Hawthorns, I think it was. There was a time when we couldn't play at Villa Park because I think there were some renovations going on or something at the beginning of the season that wasn't finished. So we had to play at the Hawthorns um, in Europe. I think I got booked for something, um, a silly yellow card, and then... I genuinely am saying that I got brought down for a penalty and the referee said I dived <laughs> and gave me a second yellow and sent me off. You don't dive, dear towels. No, never, ever. I think it, I think the Trinity Road was being revamped at the time and they played a couple of Intertoto games. It might be, was it Salta Vigo or was it somebody else? Because we were chatting to, um, do you remember Stephen Cook? Yeah, yeah. We had a good catch up with him um, a couple of weeks ago. And I think he made his debut in that game. But I think there's a couple of people. That I, I don't think you were the only one sent off, were you? Was somebody else sent off? 
Yeah, I can't remember. But I, I just definitely remember playing at the Hawthorns. Um, I'm sure it was that game that I got, I got sent off for his second yellow. So we've shown you the picture of, of you and JG. What was, and you, you mentioned him briefly when he was Brian's right-hand man, what was he like to, to play under as a gaffer? Moody. <laughs> Very moody. When we were winning, he was great. When we were losing, he was a flipping nightmare. Yeah, he wanted to win. He, he just a winner and wanted to win. You know, sometimes his methods didn't agree with some players. He didn't get on with some players um, because his work ethic, he, he managed like he played and, you know, he was a hard worker. He wanted everybody to to put in the effort that he did. And if he didn't see that, then uh, he'd let you know about it. He, li- he, he liked a bit of flamboyancy as well. He, he loved the players like Paul Merson who could add that little bit extra. Um, Benito Carboni, he brought in as well. He liked that kind of player as well who could um, do something off the cuff. I like JG as a manager, but um, yeah, it sort of, uh, we didn't quite make it where we wanted to underneath John. How would his moods manifest himself? Manifest themselves then? Would he kick water bottles? Would he? Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He was one of those that throw throw everything. He'd be one of those if you were supposed to be off on the Sunday, he'd bring you all in. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, which put um, players' noses out of joint, but sometimes that's the way it is. If you haven't played so well, then you have to face the consequences. I think when you go back and you, you think about it, the, the biggest rook was probably with him and David Ginola. At that time, I think John thought that David wasn't putting it in the way he wanted him to. He thought he'd got a little bit overweight. Um, hence the celebration that David did when he took his top off and showed everybody his ripped torso. <laughs> um, you know, I think he, he, I don't know, maybe it was some, some uh, John's way of making him prove himself. I don't know. And, and making him and pushing him to do that little bit extra. I don't know. I wish I was as fat as that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I do do too as well, mate. <laughs> obviously, obviously, John was great for well, great for the press for his sound bites. I think he recommended that referees should have the testicles wired up to electrodes or this kind of thing. What did you make of it when he came out and said that about Dwight? When Dwight went to Manu and he said, "If I'd got a gun, I'd have shot him." I understood him, to be fair, because I think we were really close to being a, a top side. And um, and then, you know, Man United comes and takes your best player. It just killed us, really, because um, as players, we were like, yeah, Dwight. We Dwight was our best player. And it was one of those. We, we always used to go out thinking, you know, if we keep a clean sheet, then Dwight will get a goal and score for us and get the winner. Do you know what I mean? It was like that. And um, and to rip that out of our side at that time was just gut-wrenching, really. Um, because we knew if we, we kept the lights of Dwight and added to it, that, um, you know, we could be we could have been really challenging. And, uh, and it killed us, really. So I can understand why he said that. But I can understand why Dwight um, left as well. Was was John Gregory's kind of press conferences and stuff though? Was it something that the lads would take an interest in, just to think, oh no, what's he said now? Who's he dug out now? Who's he had a go at now? To be fair, players don't really they don't really pay that much attention to press um, managers' press conferences or anything like that, uh, unless they wanted to get an indication of whether they were playing or not. As a as a Villa manager, I thought he was uh, he, he was a character. 
And, you know, I, I still got visions of John and, you know, that time when uh, he put David Ellery's referee's top on and, you know what I mean? And, um, and putting Santa's hat on when we got through to the next round of the cup when we beat West Ham away. Things like that, do you know what I mean? That you you just don't see now. And and uh, him enjoying being a manager and, and having that lighter side to you just just the character. I think we've got a photo um, in recent times with yourself and Drapes and Tommy Johnson. Uh, let's see if we can get that shared with you. All right. Um, we'd gone down to London for something, and I can't remember what it was. We decided to just go go and have a curry somewhere. It's nice to sit down and have a chinwag and uh, and talk about old times, really. But we just spent most of the time just laughing because everything, we just looked back and um, we had so so many good times and such a laugh. You know, you talk about the seriousness of football these days, but for, for us at that time, we enjoyed it so much and uh, it didn't seem like a job at all. And uh, we, we just had a, had a great time doing what we did. And uh, it's just nice to to sit down and, and, and reminisce about that because uh, it's not been very often that we've got back got the band back together, as they say, and um, and and had a good had a good chat about stuff. So yeah, it was good to good to catch up and see him. That's a few years back now that I think. There's obviously the the famous story in there about Mark Draper saying, oh, "I want to, you know, I'd love to play for a big Italian club like Barcelona." Yeah. <laughs> um, was that? Not the shot school in the box, mate. Was that was that in keeping with what he was like? Yeah, yeah, he was funny. We used to call him Dopey. Tommy used to call him Dopey. Yeah, he was funny. Yeah, not not the brightest, but he was one of the funniest lads I've uh, I've known. So he's a good lad, great lad. I think he's probably an underrated player as well. You know, from my experience, look, looking back, he was, he was some player. Never quite fulfilled his potential. He had he had some his fair share of injuries. Um, which hampered him, I think, um, but a really talented player. I always remember that that goal that we worked on. I think it was Tottenham that we worked on in training, where um, Andy Townsend rolled it to Drapes and he flicked it up and and hit it over the wall. You know, he, he always had that kind of talent, and we worked on that in training, and it never worked once. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you know, to produce it in the game. After working on it and uh, working on it and working on it and working on it was uh, was was fantastic and yeah it's just a shame that he never really fulfilled his potential. Give us a bit of insight into Tommy Johnson because from from the outside looking in he always seemed like a kind of bit of a mischievous kind yeah. of you know Jack the Lad kind of character. Yeah yeah and again like I said earlier he's one of the jokers in the dressing room and um, we we always had such a great laugh. And for Tommy, it was it was quite tough for Tommy because he didn't really nail down a place in the team. But you know, when he when he played or when he came on as a sub, he always produced and he scored great goals and he was a goal scorer. And um, but for some reason, never really cemented a place in the team. But he's a great part of the squad. Um, if you ask Brian Little now, he'd probably say he was probably one of his biggest headaches. That um, you know he wanted to try and play in the team at the time, but when you've got the likes of Sabo and um, and Dwight up front, who had a great partnership, it was uh, it was tough to get Tommy into the team. Well, let's see what we've got next for you on the uh, on our random photo generator. What? Let's have a look. George. <laughs>
I think, again, that was another PR thing that we did at, I think it was, was it Villa Park, I think, um, where there was a, yeah, quite, a, I think it was leading up to the Cup Final 2000, I think. Uh, I think there's a bigger photo with myself, Gareth Barry, I think Lee might have been on it, Leandri, George. Yeah, where you do the, all those photo shoots um, leading up to the Cup Final and doing all the interviews and whatnot on the, on the press day. And um, George was another player that I, I'm good mates with now, still keep in touch with now, um, and got on really, really well with. We had a great partnership when we played together. Um, and again, you know, that, that team, it's one of those where you were hoping that we'd go on and do some, some better things, but, you know, for whatever reason, that team broke up. Sorry to sorry to do that one to you. I think the, the mention of the cup final we had to uh, had to to get you get you reminiscing about that. What what's your um, looking back on it now? What what what's your thoughts? Well, it was one of those where um, it's probably my biggest, apart from leaving Villa, um, it's probably my biggest disappointing uh, biggest disappointment. Where you know the FA Cup finals, you, you're on the world stage and. We went into that final thinking, yeah, it's a great chance to win um, a big trophy uh, and beat a big team as well. Um, Chelsea were quite good at that time with some big world-renowned players. And we, we went into the game believing that we could could win it. And, you know, and we didn't perform, just didn't perform on the day. A lot of people will say it was the worst cup final, FA Cup final for years. Mm-hmm. Um, which it probably was. And the way we conceded the goal was poor as well. And there's just everything about the day, Matt, was, uh, it just wasn't us. And I know that John Gregory said that in his uh, talk afterwards, that that performance just wasn't us on the day. Um, I don't know whether the occasion got to us or, or what, but yeah, we just didn't perform on the day. And uh, like I said, it's probably one of my biggest disappointments in my in my career. To get onto that stage and then not perform was... Um, was crap really so I presume um, the evening any celebrations that were planned just just falls flat doesn't it just go and have a meal and then try and get home as soon as possible or yeah you just want to get out of there and uh, you know obviously the, the club has to make plans for if you if you win the thing and uh, I, you know I can't I can't remember if we just actually went like say and had a meal where we were supposed to be celebrating and then everybody goes home but I I really can't remember that. The disappointments there to see, really, where you just want to get off the get off the pitch as quickly as possible, and you know you get a losers' medal for that. And I do not even know where it is. <laughs> let's. I'm not sure whether we've got a picture of this, but we can certainly add, add one in. But um, let's let's take you back four years again, then to to '96. Because if we're going to drag you into the depths of the depression by reminding you of 2000, let let's talk about. I don't know, is it your finest hour? Yeah, as far as winning something, um, of course it is, yeah. Um, people always ask me, you know, what, you know, was the goal in the cup final the best best goal that you've scored or the most important? And I always say, well, no, the, the one that we spoke about earlier at Villa Park, my first one at Villa Park on my home debut was probably the one. Um, but yeah, obviously scoring in a major cup final and, and winning, um, it's it's got it's right up there, Matt. And you know, it's just weird that 
you know, two two seasons before, I'm sure you were there as well, at the 94 final against Man United. I was in the crowd with my mates and, you know, two years later, I'm actually playing in the same final and, and scoring and winning it. So, you know, it's just crazy how, how, how it went. Yeah, I've been very lucky in my career. Um, you know, luck has had, had a part to play in it, but, um, you know, I've had some great moments and that was one of them. The script was perfect, really, wasn't it? Because you'd got you, like you say, the fan who was in the stands two years previously scoring. You got Dwight who, Dwight, who was the kind of whole 10 darling. Um, and you got Savo, who, who was, you know, with a swing of his left foot, proved a lot of people wrong. It just seemed seemed to all come together, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, luckily, Brian was able to put out the team that he wanted to put out as well. And, you know, we had a full-strength team out, which was good. And I think um, we had a good blend at that time. We had, you know, some good younger players and some older experienced players, Andy Townsend was still playing and was captain. And, you know, we had a wealth of experience and um, it all came together on the game, on the day. It was, the, you know, the total opposite to 2000, really. So, um, yeah, and to... And to win something within, you know, a year. Well, not even a year. It was, um, yeah, it was a year. Yeah, a year and a half of, of signing. It's, um, you know, to get to get something that quickly was uh, was brilliant. So, and, you know, and to look, but looking back, Matt, we're still still the last team to have won something major at, at Aston Villa Football Club. So, you know. So in, in a way, you think, yeah, it's still good, but you know, you, you want your team to be winning something, and that's what the game's all about. I think. Can you remember what the what the scenes were, the the party scenes on the evening after that win? Not really, <laughs> <laughs> for the obvious reasons. Um, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't remember that evening at all. I just remember the celebrations, you know, immediately after the game with the trophy and all that on the pitch and, and whatnot. To this day, I just wish that I've had, you know, some um, some mementos of myself holding the trophy. And I know there's the pictures of me, Dwight and Savo, but I've not really got that many records of, of me and, you know, on that on that day, which, uh, you know, now you'd love to, to look back on. But, yeah, I just remember celebrating after the game and with the likes of Hugo and Gareth and Yorkie drapes and, and whatnot and uh, yeah it's um, you definitely remember those celebrations I tell you but anything after that I can't remember mate <laughs> well something we have got a photo of is whatever we're going to share with you next let's have a look at this next one Go on, then. <laughs> all right I can't remember that must have been about yeah that must have been the same year then um, 99-2000 or 2000-2001 and I know we were playing against Shearer and Colin Calderwood was playing centre-back for us. And, and Alan Shearer has got this thing where he's, he was backing into Colin all the time. And uh, he was committing fouls every time the ball was coming up to him. And to be fair to you, Rennie, um, he was spotting these fouls. And, um, you know, it just got to a point where he thought, you know, I'm going to put a stop to this because he kept elbowing Colin and and fouling him and whatnot. And, and Uriah just suddenly gave him a, a red card. And I, I just thought it was hilarious because who in the right mind would send off the England centre forward <laughs> <laughs> for, for persistent fouling at home at 
um, St. James Park, you know what I mean, with a bay in Newcastle crowd. And to be fair to him, he, he sent him off. And I just thought, I'll, I'll do it now. I, I just thought, yeah, crazy, mad. But, you know, because it was something that you didn't really get sent off for in those days. So, um, yeah, fair play to him, sent him off. But, um, yeah, a lot of people remember my head rubbing. <laughs> so were you were you head rubbing because you were surprised that the ref had the balls to send him off in the circumstances? Yeah. You didn't. Yeah. You weren't head rubbing because you thought it was harsh. You thought it was deserved over the because of the persistent fouling. A bit, a bit of both, really. Those kinds of fouls, nobody really at that time was giving fouls for. So, um, I, in a way, I thought it was harsh, but in a way, I just thought it was funny as well. <laughs> so. Um, but then, you know, he gave us the advantage. I'm, I'm, did we win? I'm sure we won. won. I think, I think Joe Chim scored the winner, yeah. I think yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks, Uriah Rennie. Am I right in thinking, Tails, that that head rub became a thing then? Did you did you introduce it into uh, kind of goal celebrations yeah, occasionally? Yeah, we did a goal celebration, Dion. Um, I think Dion scored. It might have been the next game or whatever it might have been, but Dion definitely... Start, definitely did the celebration we and we all followed on so uh, yeah it did become a celebration <laughs> um, let's have a look what we've got next for you oh right <laughs> I think that was in the build up to Blues Villa obviously I wasn't playing then was I Matt I can't remember I don't think I've done a little bit of homework before we got you on I don't think you've ever played against Blues have you for Villa no no I haven't <laughs> Look at my missus. Oh my god. I didn't know you were on that. <laughs> hey, that is how Sorry. <laughs> to be fair, mate, I said earlier, you know, my, my biggest disappointment in my villa career, obviously leaving, losing the two thousand cup final and playing against never playing against Birmingham because I was either suspended or injured. And you know, one of my biggest memories about playing or more distinct memories about playing against Blues when I was at the club was the Enkelman moment. Mate, honestly, I have never known in all my years of going to football matches and playing in football matches, I've never known an evening like like that because not just the game itself, but the whole atmosphere the whole night where the fog had come down and, you know, and I know it was, it was kicking off everywhere because I, went, I remember going with my brother. I'm sure I was suspended, but I decided to get a ticket with my brother and, and go in the away end. And I remember parking our car a couple of miles away from St Andrews because, for obvious reasons and walking to the ground. And it, obviously it was a Monday night, it was dark, it was foggy. Uh, it was one of those hoods up, head down and, um, and walking to the ground. And my phone was going mental um, because I just had mates um, who were in the know, obviously, telling me which direction to walk <laughs> because it was kicking off here, it was kicking off there, it's kicking off there. Don't go this way, go that way. So I was getting directed to the ground to avoid the, the rooks. <laughs> so it, just the whole atmosphere around it and, and to lose the way we did, was, uh, it was 
to this day, mate, it's such such a disappointment. And I remember going in the dressing room after and and asking um, Peter Enkelman that that question that's still asked to this day: Did you touch it or not? I've never seen so so someone so so white and dazed and in a state of shock because he couldn't believe what he'd done. And I don't think he'd, uh, I don't, don't think he ever recovered after that. Yeah, one of the biggest disappointments really is never playing against Birmingham and, and having to watch some of those games that, uh, that they, you know, that they obviously had over us at that time. I think you're right that it was that game and the game at, at Villa Park when, um, when Dion's ended, ended up nutting savage. I think Blues, it was their first year back, wasn't it? It was their first year in the Premier League. So I think all that kind of, I don't know, tension build up, built up over so, so so long a distance with the clubs being not playing each other. It all kind of, even the game at Villa Park, it all kind of erupted, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, but people were just waiting for that. Probably they're more than us waiting for that, uh, for that release. And uh, yeah, it was hor- it was horrible though, mate. Horrible. So, not just playing against them that, that time, but um, and losing, but just the way we lost, really. I think we've got another picture. If Dan can share it, it it's not it's not that game when you're away, in the away end at St Andrews, but another game when you're amongst the fans at St Andrews. Um, what's it? What's it like then? Are you? I mean, I've I've never I've never been lucky enough to go to stand next to you at, at a at a match. Do you join in with all the chants? You know, I suppose it's Where'd a bit different. Where did you get that photo? That's on our um, that's on our archives as well. That is, we've got loads, mate. We'll share them with you after this. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's me and my brother. Yeah, mate. Honestly, it's it's good and bad at the same time because <laughs> it's just it's so good to be able to sample, like, you know, like I used to, and go into the crowd and 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 watch games and stuff like a normal fan, but. At the same time, especially now, it's constant. It's just constant selfies. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you just, and you just want to watch the game and take in the game. But I can understand why you know people want to do it. So at the same time, I'll never turn anybody down for for wanting a photograph. Never. It's one of those where you, you feel you, you have to do it. So it's not a problem. But yeah, I've never seen that photo before, which is. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll keep that one. Now with the with the role that I've got, it's um, it's it's rare that I do that anymore. But um, it's it's nice now. When was the last time? I think the year before we got promoted. I think I went to Ipswich, which was good. Oh, and rather I did Rotherham away that season as well, in with the fans as well, which was good. Yeah, it's a shame I can't do it so much now. But um, my brother looks a lot different to that now as well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's have a have a look have a little look what's up next for you. Hang on a minute. We won't keep you forever, mate, I promise. Oh sorry. Yeah. I'm just looking at the other picture. That was a rather room away. And I think I took a selfie with a fan who was a bit worse for wear, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and his mate his mates were taking the mick out of him. So I thought I'd have a photo with him. <laughs> I thought I'm glad you've explained that. Because when I first saw that and it got the hashtag Hashtag one too many, hashtag out of it, hashtag bladdered. I thought you were talking about yourself. <laughs> not me, mate. No, no, not me. That's great, that is. Let's have a look at what you, what we got next. <laughs> Where's that? I don't know. I mean, we're hoping that you'll be able to shed some light onto these. That That's another one that's in our photo system. You and, you and the Tasmanian devil. 
I've got no idea where that is, unless it was at a kid's school or something. I think this is because you're such a good guy and because you're always willing for the photo opportunities. They'll, they'll stick any kind of <laughs> random mascot in front of you and, and know that you'll get a big smile. Hey, just off, off topic, Tales, one of my memories, and I think, um, do you remember when we went to, to Hong Kong pre-season yeah. a few years ago? Yeah. And uh, I'd had a few few drinks the night before in one child, whatever. And I was feeling a bit fragile anyway. But we went to a school, went to a school, and you were there as Villa Ambassador. Yeah. And you were kind of just so, I'm not just blowing smoke for the sake of it, you were so brilliant with the kids there. I mean, a language barrier, barrier, nobody knew what was going on. But I think you had to kind of give out gifts and kind of, you know, a very kind of Hong Kong a traditional bow or something like that. Yeah, and yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> this, this don't reflect very well on me because I was still hungover. It was just such a lovely moment. It nearly, it nearly brought me to tears. I think I need to, oh, get off! Genuinely, I think I think I need to get a grip. I think it was because I think I was crying, crying Stella Artois tears. To be honest, I probably had a hangover at the same time, but I'm used to coping with it. <laughs> but I think it was. I think it was. And again, I do mean this genuinely. As an ambassador, you know what to do. You know what to say. You know how to conduct yourself properly. You know, as an ambassador, what year was that? That was only... I think it was McLeish's year, so I think we're talking yeah, 2011, I think it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. The summer of 2011. Yeah. Um, but does that does it carry a weight of responsibility, I suppose, is, is a serious question. When you are going out and representing Aston Villa, I presume you take that very seriously. Yeah, I do, yeah. I think I'm I'm very lucky to be able to do it. And to be honest, it was, one, it was something that I saw other clubs um, had started to do. And um, and I just put myself forward, and uh, and the and the club sort of embraced it, which I thought was great. So um, you know, I try and you know, I'm I just see myself as very lucky, Matt. I'm very I'm very lucky to be able to to still go to the games and 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 sit in good seats and and, and watch us play, and and that's all I want to do, really. So um, to be able to to go. You know, I've been lucky enough to go around the world and, and represent the club as well. And you have to do it in the right way, don't you? Or, or, or you'll be out on your ear. So, uh, you know, I, I try and do it to the best of my ability. And I love, I love interacting with, with fans and, uh, you know, with what I do work-wise as well with, with my company. Um, you know, I'm working with kids all the time as well and, um, and parents. And, and I, I love doing it. I, love, I just love interaction with with people and uh, you know this whole sort of uh, coronavirus thing has sort of scuppered all that at the minute. So um, yeah, I just I just love it, love it. Brings me on to if Dan can if if we can get the hint of what picture I'm thinking of now. It's kind of almost this everyman quality that I think you've got. Kind of you know you're just as comfortable kind of rubbing shoulders with people in boardrooms as you are with speaking to fans, speaking to people from different cultures around the world. Uh, I think, <laughs> no, listen. Uh, we've got we've got one of you. Hang on, which one is it? He's probably sent the wrong it's one. The one in Ibiza. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. This is this is you still being a young man with some younger footballers with with, with what I was leading up to in a, in a roundabout kind of a way. So I, I just how just you're 51, aren't you now, Charles? If you don't mind me saying, how do you stay so cool? How do I stay so cool? I don't know about that. Um, yeah, look who you're talking to, mate. <laughs> I've always liked um, 
I've always liked to look good, Matt, to be fair. Um, you know what's good about this is that, you know, players like these, present players, have respect for lads who have played previously. Do you know what I mean? And what was so good about that trip was that, uh, and it was actually the trip where there was a bit in the news about some of the England players getting into trouble in Ibiza as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, it was around that time and I, I bumped into the lads and uh, um, at Ocean Beach where Gary Lineker's brother runs it. And, you know, again, he's one who sort of respects the fact that I've been a player and all that kind of stuff and, and has become a mate. And, uh, yeah, it's just great having that respect, really. Oh God, it sounds like I'm a bit of a fanboy here flirting with you. How do you stay in such good shape? Is there an Ian Taylor fitness regime or you're just naturally a fit and athletic guy anyway? When you know nine, nine months before that you're going to Ibiza and you put the training in. <laughs> <laughs> and you want to be able to have photos like these next to these lads. My mates now, and, and actually we have... We did book for this summer, which looks like now it's uh, a no-go, obviously. Um, and they've all been in training <laughs> for this summer <laughs> because they're fed up with standing next to me in photos. So, um, yeah, they'll be a bit gutted now that they've put all that work in and they're not going. So, but yeah, we're, we're going to plan to go next year. But, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I've always been one where, you know, if I want to go on holiday, I'm going to go on holiday. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I'll still go away with the lads and I'll still go and have a good time because, you know, you never know when your days are going to be gone. So you got to go and have a good time. Listen, we've got a couple more to throw at you, then we'll, we'll let you go because you've been, you've been good as gold. So let's just have, rattle through the last couple and see, see what we've got for you. God, I can't remember what that was for either. I think, um, I think I got invited down again for a photo shoot at the ground, and, but I can't remember what what this was for. Do you know, I've got a theory, Tales, and I might have just made this up, but was there not a problem with some kind of infestation of pigeons or something at Villa Park or some kind of of vermin? Yeah, and I had to get this in to get rid of them. I just remember crapping myself. (laughs) (laughs) And and trying not to get hit by a wing. Do you know what I mean? It was like, flipping out, this thing's massive. And I've never, ever done anything like that before in my life. So, yeah, I was crapping myself. Again, it was a good thing to do. But, uh, yeah, another experience that Tails has had. Ian Taylor, isn't it? you know, he can, he can deal with all, all walks of life, all people and all species as well. Tasmanian devils, birds of prey. Hey, on the inside, I'm flipping totally doo-dooing myself. <laughs> but, yeah, still got the smile on. <laughs> That's it, you got that fixed. Um, go on then, let's have a look at the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Round where I live, we're uh, we're great at having these fancy dress parties and, and whatnot uh, in the village. And uh, that was obviously Halloween. My my wife, she's into hair and makeup and, and stuff, and she's brilliant at doing the whole uh, makeup side of things. And and you know, I've been I've been someone out of Star Trek with the flipping spot ears. I've been, I've done that. I've been the uh, I've been the baddie in James Bond, which I thought you might have had with that because I know that's on my Instagram as well. And yeah, we could, I, I, I don't mind dressing up and, and doing the whole thing. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good fun, mate, because my, my wife's quite good at doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, the whole family sort of did it, which was good. 
Have we got another one along those lines? I think I think we might have another dressing up one. Um. Yeah. <laughs> 70s night, I think it was, that we did um, at a mate's. And, um, yeah, I just thought I'd done the, uh, the, the old afro. <laughs> <laughs> we should title this episode The Roasting of Ian Taylor rather than um, the photo <laughs> album because we're giving, we're giving you some proper stick on here. What... Um, Another couple, and then we're done, I promise. And I'll keep saying that. What what we got next? Oh, this this was before the playoff final against Fulham. Ambassador for Villa, but me being me, I went down on the bus with my boys, with, on a bus with my boys and a load of friends from the village. I went down in my shirt, this, this shirt and everything, but I took my suit with me. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, we had some some time with fans and everything. It was brilliant, mate. They, they, these days uh, are what you live for as a fan. And, you know, you ask any fan, the whole journey down, the whole day. And, and I, I wanted to be like that. And I wanted to do the whole thing with my boys. M- myself and my wife, we talk about it. And, you know, my boys weren't lucky enough to see me play. So, you know, I try and give them as near to that experience as possible. Um, so... You know, we went down on the bus on the day with mates and all had our shirts on and whatnot and and stopped at the services and, you know, because I, I put that um, that picture on my Instagram and I, I don't really like to, you know, put my kids on my social media, but I, I put the back of them on. And there were fans. I, I left my boys because I obviously had to go and do the whole ambassador stuff and there were fans recognising my boy boys and having photos with them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I thought, blimey, you can't you can't hide from anything really. But but you know, generally everybody was really really good. And um, you know, my boys were a bit, you know, they were a bit scared by it in, at times. But um, you know, wondering how they got recognised and stuff. But um, we had that photo on my doorstep before we went and. Um, yeah, it was a bit disappointing day, but it's what you live for, isn't it? You want to go to Wembley and you want to be a, a part of these occasions and, uh, you know, it's something that they can they can remember now. Are they proper Villa tales? Because Hendry, Lee Hendry confessed to us that his son's grown, one of his, his, his lads grown up as um, a Wolves fan. Do you know something? Even if my boys had turned around and told me they were a Wolves fan, I wouldn't be telling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way... There's no way that my boys would be anything else but Villa. Not a chance. Right, let's have what we believe to be the last photograph of Ian Taylor's Aston Villa photo album. Let's have a look at this one. Do you know, I knew it was going to be that one. (laughs) I knew it was going to be that one. Um, I have actually got that up on my wall as part of a signed shirt frame and sort of a montage to my last... Villa match, Matt. It still it still gives me a lump in my throat now, thinking about it because it was away at Leeds, and um, it was my last my last game for Villa, and I knew it was my last game because I got told the night before, which was which was nice. And I'd, I'd gone over to our away support at the end of the game. I, I think we lost the game as well, which weren't great. But um, yeah, I just wanted to go over and say and say thanks to the fans for all the support. And it was tipping it down with rain. And, um, yeah, that was it. I think we played 
Sunderland the week before our last home game. And to be honest, I would have preferred to have known that I was, you know, I was gone before, before that one so I could have a proper send-off at home. But they told me the night before in the hotel, away at Leeds, which, was, um, which wasn't the best ending. But, you know, I kind of knew that it was going to be my last season. But um, it would have been nice to have a, a different send-off, really. It's a brilliant, brilliant photo, though, isn't it? It's so, it's so emotive, that picture, like you say, with the rain falling down as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, I've got it, I've got it just here up on my wall. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice little memento. But, yeah, sad day, mate, a sad day. A sad day and a happy day, though, because you you know you you had some you had you might not have had much to celebrate on that actual day, but you had quite a career to celebrate, didn't you? I know you've said said several times how lucky you've been, um, and to just just to, to be able to kind of salute, maybe it's saluting two and a half thousand away fans rather than saluting forty thousand home fans, but still still such a moment that must have been emotional. But um, like like you say, uh, I, I mean, I was thirty, what thirty three at the time. So, you know, I knew that um, I, I was coming towards the end of my career, definitely at Premier League level. So, um, but all the same, you know, it's still, it was still hard, but um, especially when, you know, you're playing for Villa as well. But uh, yeah, it was sad, but uh, I had to move on. Let's move on. I just wanted to say thank you for being so much fun. Thank you. I hope it's been enjoyable for you as well, having a bit of a, <laughs> good, it's good, a bit of a, a wonder down memory lane. Um, yeah, and just thanks for being, thanks for being you. Thanks for being a legend, and just make sure that yourself, you and yours, keep safe during these uh, these weird and, and, and worrying times. And hopefully, yeah. we'll be back together to all catch up with it for a pint sometime soon, mate. Yeah, all definitely. Right. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.